Welcome to the Complete Leader Podcast, giving leaders the tools and information they need to grow and change their world. Now here's your host, Dale Dixon. Making big decisions. Welcome to the Complete Leader Podcast, everything you need to become a high-performing leader. I'm your host, Dale Dixon, along with Ron Price, author of The Complete Leader and Growing Influence. Ron, so good to be with you. It's great to be with you, Dale. And uh, folks can learn more about The Complete Leader at thecompleteleader.org. Over 700 uh, different resources around this idea of leadership and growing leadership. Um, A lot there to look at. Uh, Membership is available, and we'll talk more about that at the end of this podcast. But Ron, let's dive right in. Our topic today is making big decisions. And this is part of a multi-part conversation around three key areas of leadership. Let's step through those just as a quick uh, look back at what we've talked about up to this point. Yeah, it's always interesting to me, Dale. I'm 67 now, and I I look back on over 50 years of working full-time. Yes, that does mean that I started working full-time when I was 17. Um, And and I look back now, and I see this path that I had the pleasure of taking and it seems so obvious to me now, but I, I, I didn't know it at the time. I didn't see it at the time. So the path that we've been talking about is that early in our careers, we are mostly recognized and we earn our reputation based on our ability to manage ourselves. So it's our ability to be accountable, to follow through on commitments, to deliver with excellence and in a timely way. These are all the ways that we build our reputation earlier in our career. For most people, mid-career, they continue to build their reputation, for better or for worse, based on how they lead other people. So we've talked quite a bit about that already, and that uh, leading other people is different than leading yourself. It's a different set of skills that we have to learn. And then as I reflect back on the latter part of my career, when I began to have uh, bigger opportunities with more responsibility, more in authority, I began to recognize that now what's really important is the quality of the decisions that I make, because now I'm making decisions that affect the whole organization. I'm making decisions that, for, for instance, I was making decisions about where we were, what country we were going to open business in, who we were going to hire, what kind of infrastructure we were going to have, who our customers were going to be. A lot of decisions that really had a very significant cascading impact on the whole organization. I remember, I confess with some humility, that in 1997, we had a lot of business in Asia, and I had not made good decisions around our international currency management. I had just sort of taken it for granted. It was really not bad decisions. It was the lack of good decisions. And there was a currency crisis in Thailand, which rippled all through Asia, and our company lost all of its Asian profit in one week for the whole year. So everything we'd earned the whole year, we lost in one week because we did not make good decisions around managing our currencies. So that's an example of how the decisions you make later in your career have a great impact and they're big decisions often. And so this is a whole nother set of skills that I think we have to think about. How do I get better and better and better? It's not to say that we weren't making decisions before but it's that the the magnitude, the gravity of the decisions that we're making is so much greater that we have to develop new skills in decision-making. 
So when I'm trying to remember the exact number and it's slipping my memory right now, but when you talk about the number of decisions a human being makes, it's upwards of thousands a day. And we don't even realize that a lot of it is just automatic when we don't think about the decisions. So what kind of decisions are we talking about in this third, third stage of the leadership uh, journey as we lead ourselves, lead others, and now become better at making decisions? Yeah, well, it's true that we do make thousands of decisions a day, and it's true that most of them are made actually unconsciously or non-consciously. One of the areas I've developed a great interest in is the latest discoveries in brain science. And we now, psychologists now believe that 100% of our decisions are made non-consciously first. And then they're either verified or challenged and changed consciously. So when I'm talking about developing decisions as a skill, I'm talking about how do we become more conscious? How do we become more intentional so that we make fewer mistakes? Because the truth of the matter is that our brain is making decisions based on predictive models that are built into our neural pathways. And I'm saying those predictive models don't always work when you're confronted with a variety of options. So the kinds of decisions that are really, really important, I think, are who is it that I'm going to hire? Who is it that I'm going to organize? Who is it that I'm going to deploy to get something done? Another decision, very, very difficult, and we need new skills for this, is how am I going to determine what to expect in the future? What are the different possibilities and where am I going to put my chips on the table, so to speak? So what kind of a future am I going to create? And they can include not just what our strategy is going to be, but what's our purpose going to be? What are the values around which we're going to intentionally organize ourselves? Um, What's our vision? What are the big goals that we're trying to reach? So uh, again, Dale, one of the things I've said to you in us relaunching the Complete Leader podcast is that I want to be more transparent as I continue to grow as a leader. So for our company, I ask the question, what is our purpose? What are our values? What's our vision for the future? And and it took a long time for me to have this deep conviction about it. We've been in business now for 17 years, and it's been in the last five years or so that this has just grown so crystal clear for me that we exist to grow great leaders. And the reason that's important to us is because we believe that it's great leaders that change the world. It's great leaders that fix our problems. It's great leaders that set a new example. So we exist to grow great leaders. And that has that automatically has a narrowing impact on the decisions that we make. Because we don't do things as a company that are not directly connected to growing great leaders. So we don't, I, I owned a tire business at one point. I don't change tires anymore because I don't have a direct correlation between that and growing great leaders. I wrote plays. I wrote musical comedy dramas at one point. I don't do that anymore because it doesn't have, although it could have an indirect, it doesn't have a direct correlation. So that's an important decision, what your purpose is. Our values, are, we have three main values as a company. The first is we want to help bring more clarity to the world around us. We want to help people understand who they are. We want them to understand why they're here, what they're capable of. We want to bring deeper and deeper or richer and richer clarity to who they are. We have a value, a core value called collaboration. 
we want to help people understand how when you have shared interest and shared values that you can then embrace the diversity of your perspectives, of your capabilities, of your relationships in a way that's synergistic, in a way that's actually like a chemical reaction that creates a bigger positive result. And then our third core value is that we want our work always to be impactful, not just to be transactional. We, we don't just want our work to generate revenue, but we want it to actually help change people's lives, help change organizations' trajectory. So these are big decisions that we've made that automatically eliminate things that we would otherwise do. They, they create focus for us. And the same thing's true with our vision and our big goals for the future. Sometimes these big decisions require a fair amount of courage. And it's part of the reason why developing skills as a decision maker is important. So it's our future, it's who's going to be a part of the organization, it's how we're going to utilize our resources, it's how are we gonna to respond to complex problems and ambiguous problems that don't have easy solutions. It's how are we going to build systems or technologies or infrastructure? How are we gonna organize ourselves as an organization? And then it's um, where are we going to make our commitments going forward, whether they're personal or organizational. These are all decisions that we make that have a much bigger impact than we realize. I sometimes think that if we understood down the road the impact of our decisions, we'd be so scared we wouldn't be able to make them. And you can see it when you're looking backwards. There, there are such inconsequential decisions I've made throughout my career that have changed not only my life, but changed the lives of many of other, other people. That if I'd known at the time I was making that decision, I'm not sure if I could have made the decision. But it was the skills I had then that helped me to make that decision that created today's reality. I think to the term Midas touch, when I think about some people who appear to have great decision-making skills, that uh, they just tend to make the right decision every single time. So where, what are some of those skills that we need to start developing? And because I know it's not necessarily got, they're not necessarily, uh, maybe they are born with it to some degree. I, we can talk about that, but where, where do we start building those decision-making skills? So first of all, there are, everybody is born with some tendencies in how they approach decisions, but they're not the same. So part of it is understanding where your strengths are and learning how to develop decision-making skills in that particular area. So a quick example of this would be some people are born with a natural capacity or natural tendency to be able to make good strategy decisions. Those people, the skills that would help them would be to develop their skills in futuristic thinking or conceptual thinking, creativity, and then just big decision-making skills. But there are other people that are naturally born and they naturally develop this capacity for more operational thinking, operational, or we might say tactical decisions. These people care more about the process. They don't care about where we're going. They care about how we're going to go there. And the skills that relate to that may be skills that include things like planning and organizing and continuous learning, maybe conceptual thinking, because people who care more about the tactics, care about the systems that we're going to use. And it's a different set of problem solving skills for those people as well. So in the context of the way you asked the question, Dale, I believe that when it comes to decision skills or decision 
capabilities that we have, that we have both talent, which is given to us, which is a natural tendency. And then we have, what do we do with that talent? How do we develop that talent by developing these skills? And I've just touched on some of the skills that we cover in The Complete Leader, but I encourage people to apply their learning of those skills to what they understand about their natural tendencies. As we've talked about this in the past, I distinctly remember you talking about a mentor of yours uh, talking about the idea of judgment and experience. Yeah. Well, of course, we, we believe that good decisions are made based on good judgment. And the mentor was Charlie Tremendous Jones, who liked to say things that make you laugh. And that they were sort of like a time-released capsule of wisdom, because later you would realize there was a lot of, there was a lot of wisdom in that joke he told. So he said to me, and we include this early in the Complete Leader book, he said, Ron, the whole key to good judgment is experience. And I said to him, Charlie, what's the key to experience? And he said, bad judgment. <laughs> so what he was really saying is there's a certain component of decision making that we learn by making the wrong decisions. And if we learn from those wrong decisions, and you do that when you have some accountability to yourself and you reflect and you realize that you never do anything perfect, that you could always do things better so that if you go back and review every decision, you can learn something from it to get better in the future. There's another mentor of mine who he never met me, but I feel like I know him because I've read, I think, all of his books and I've heard him speak several times. His name was Peter Drucker. And Peter Drucker wrote in his book, The Effective Executive, that the most valuable management tool he ever developed or utilized was that he wrote his decisions down and then he would go back and look at those decisions that he made six months later and ask himself, was that the right decision? Could I have made a better decision? What could I have done differently? And he said he learned more about decision-making by going back and reviewing, oops, by reviewing past decisions than any other discipline he'd exercised as an executive. I thought that was fascinating. That is a fantastic tool to uh, put in our toolbox from Peter Drucker. The next step in this, a lot of people talk about, oh, I made that decision on just pure gut instinct or intuition. So um, let's, let's spend some time looking at instinct and how much we should depend on instinct and what role it does play in decision-making. Yeah, we, we all have uh, varying degrees of instinct. And this is part of what has fascinated me with brain science and caused me to go deeper into listening to and reading the, uh, the most current science available around how our brain works. The brain is making judgments all the time, actually as many as 100 or 200 judgments every second. And it's making those judgments based on a combination of, of memory and bringing back what has happened in the past and the way that our body systems are feeding information to the brain and the way that we're influenced by the environment around us. And all of this is happening so quickly that we're not aware of it and we could refer to it as instinct, but it's actually predictions that the brain's constantly making at a rate of up to 200 per second. And um, what ends up happening is that we develop a level of comfort in certain instincts or certain predictions, and we make decisions on what actions we're going to take based on that. And the truth is that for most of us, there's a 
pretty good percentage of them that will be somewhat accurate. The brain has the ability to constantly correct misjudgments as it identifies them. Unfortunately, in our, the conscious part of our brain, we have to slow down to be able to do that. So our instinct is that first uh, Daniel Hahnemann, who won a Nobel Prize for behavioral economics, said it's the first result that we get from our non-conscious mind saying, this is what the truth is in this situation. This is what you should do. And for simple things, it works quite well for us, for whether or not I should answer the phone or not for whether or not I should eat now. These are all decisions that we make for whether or not I should be looking at you while we talk. These are all decisions that we make and the predictive function of our brain works relatively well for this. But as problems or challenges become more complex, the predictive nature of our brain becomes less and less valuable. Let me just give you one example that comes from my alma mater, Michigan State University. There's a fellow, I think his name was John Hunter, who did a study of entrepreneurs hiring people based on instinct, because most entrepreneurs have learned to trust their instinct when it comes to hiring. So he would ask them after they hired somebody, to what extent do you believe that person's going to be a superior performer? And they would say, oh, it, you know, I knew within 30 seconds whether this person fit in our organization, whether they're going to perform well or not. And he would go back and interview them again six months later and ask a series of questions. And what he discovered was that, in fact, these entrepreneurs had wonderful instincts in identifying and hiring superior performers exactly 14% of the time. <laughs> so, in fact, occasionally they were right about one and a half times out of every 10 but that most of the time their instincts turned out to be wrong. Now, it's not because they had a dysfunctional brain. It's because the complexity of making a good hiring decision is much, much greater than you can depend on your instincts for making that decision. So when I talk about decision-making as a skill, I'm saying there are a set of decisions we have to make for which it is unwise for us to trust our instincts because our instincts don't give us enough data. They don't give us enough to evaluate to make a good judgment. And in order to do that well, we need not only more data, but we also need the skills for understanding how to process that data. So you could show me a whole set of, of data that some data analytic scientist had created, and I would look at it, and I would have no idea how to interpret it. But that data scientist could look at it and immediately see decisions to be made because they had learned how to interpret that data. And decision-making is developing higher and higher levels of thinking around how we interpret, how we first collect and then interpret data for determining the future, for deciding who's going to be a part of our organization, for deciding what our purpose is going to be, for deciding where we're going to allocate resources. All these big decisions they have a much, much bigger impact than we realize at the time that we make them. So let's break down. What are some of the instincts that we should automatically trust, those that we shouldn't? Um, let's talk about developing the conscious aspect of decision-making, being intentional around this. Yeah, so I, I, I firmly believe, and this is my opinion, um, but I think it's been borne out by lots and lots of thought leaders that I've read over the years, that decisions that have to do with strategy 
should never be made instinctively. The more data and learning how to interpret and how to use that data, the better decisions we're going to make. The problem is that a lot of us who see ourselves as good strategists tend to buy into some emotional response we get to a direction that we want to go. And we're not enough willing to be detectives or to be Sherlock Holmes or to be skeptical about our enthusiasm about something. And uh, there are many of us, if we can think backwards with some degree of detail, who can think of a time that we got real excited about something, we went ahead and made the decision and did it. And it was significant enough that later on when we look back, we realize some of our enthusiasm was unfounded. It wasn't well validated. So big decisions around strategy, big decisions that are gonna have a lasting impact on people's lives, big decisions that are going to especially have a big impact in our family. These are all things where as we develop better decision-making skills, we're going to over time make better and better and better decisions. Dale, I should point out, I don't know that I've said it clearly enough yet, there's no such thing as a perfect decision. Hmm. And uh, one of the things we write about in The Complete Leader is that if you wait until you have enough data that the decision is obvious, you're no longer leading. That leadership requires that we make decisions without having everything that we would like to have, but having enough so that the, the decision which is intentional is also intelligent. So it's not, we're, we're not talking about decisions that are totally instinct or decisions that are totally analytical. We're talking about learning how to move up and down that continuum based on the gravity, the size, the impact, and the potential of the decision that you're going to make. Fantastic. So let's, uh, let's do a quick wrap up um, and summarize the discussion for making some big decisions. Great. So first of all, this is what I think is most important when we get to the latter part of our career as leaders, because the decisions we make have such a uh, profound impact, a, a far reaching impact. And um, the big thing that we have to understand to be great as a leader who thinks clearly about decisions is first we have to understand what our natural tendencies are in decision making. Do we tend to be more strategic or do we tend to be more um, tactical? Do we tend to be more instinctive or we tend to be more analytical? Understanding where we're at and learning how to take that and then develop it into a skill. Talent is something we were given. It's a natural tendency. Skill is what do we do with it? How do we develop that into a capacity to perform? And as we think about that in the latter part of our career, we want to expand our decision-making skills into a portfolio that includes the ability to think more clearly and intelligently about the future, about concepts, about um, other people, about how we think about creativity, about how we think about problems and problem solving which problems are more linear and scientific and which problems are more nonlinear or complex and ambiguous. And we have to learn how to live with them. So these are all ways that we add a lot more megapixels to our portfolio of decision-making skills as a senior leader. 
Fantastic. That's there's a lot to digest, and that's why it's so important to realize that we have the CompleteLeader.org as a fantastic resource. We promised folks at the beginning of the podcast that we would explain more about that and talk about some of the genesis and and where it comes from. So, yeah, I'll just you... as an example of that, Dale, if uh, people are part of the Complete Leader community, we have several different executives talking about how they approach decision making what decision-making means to them. And we have uh, several articles. We have a coaching guide around developing your decision-making skills. And then we have a skills assessment that gives some sense of where you're at in your journey of developing decision-making as a set of skills. So these are all things that are available to people who are members of the Complete Leader community. Fantastic. That website, thecompleteleader.org, the place to find it. So just to break this down, if you're new to the podcast, the idea is it starts with the book, which is co-written by Ron Price and Randy Lisk, The Complete Leader. Um, out of that book, there is the website, thecompleteleader.org, where there are more than 700 resources available to go along with the concepts that are outlined in the book, including this podcast where we just dive deeper and you hear some of the background and Ron's thinking around each of the specific topics. And so we're going to be uh, having a number of these conversations throughout the year. We look forward to it, Ron. Thank you so much. If uh, you would like to reach out to Ron, his email address is ron, R-O-N, at price-associates.com. So ron at price-associates.com, the place to find Ron Price. Also, if you have not done so yet, please subscribe to this podcast in your favorite podcast playing app and rate and review the podcast while you're there. We would definitely appreciate that. We definitely hope we have earned five stars from you for that. This is the Complete Leader Podcast, everything you need to be a high-performing leader. Thanks for listening to the Complete Leader Podcast. Find more online, thecompleteleader.org.